Hey, I'm Jillian. And I'm Jessica. And this is Not Not That That Kind of Girl Podcast. We wanted to create a platform for women to speak transparently about their relationship to food and what they're learning along the way. Trigger warning, we do speak very candidly about disordered eating, body dysmorphia, and everything under that umbrella. So if that makes you uncomfortable in any way, please turn off this podcast and we wish you all the best. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Not That Kind of Girl podcast. We are very lucky this week because we have another awesome podcast duo to chat with. Um, We have Danielle and Holly from Sally on the Side podcast. It is a fantastic, um, awesome, I feel like I've said podcast 12,000 times, but that's what it is. Whatever, you guys. Hang tight. It is late. (laughs) I am so tired. Okay, so they are amazing. I was on, I think it was the second episode. Was it the second episode of you got of Sally on the Side? I was it the it was the second or third? It was a real early. Yeah. Um I remember it so vividly too. I don't know why. I just remember like it was dark and snowing outside in Colorado and I was just like had my AirPods in and was like I don't even know what I'm talking about right now, but I'm just going. Um but their podcast is <laughs> it's fantastic. Um they chat with people about what their side hustles are and how how they basically achieve their dreams or what they want to do, but it's so much more than that. And um, it is released once a month, um, so I highly recommend you go back to the beginning and listen to all of them. Um, It really is such an awesome concept, and Holly and Danielle are such a treat to listen to. Um, So, yeah, we get to have them on ours, and I feel like I've been talking for a long time. Um, Welcome to the podcast, Danielle and Holly. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, what a (laughs) build-up. What an intro. Yeah, we're going to add that to our (laughs) intro. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Um, All right. So, let's just – well, I think before we, like, dive into the subject – uh, Danielle and Holly, whoever wants to start, will you just give our listeners like your elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, that kind of thing? Yeah, you want to go, Danielle? Um, sure. Uh, my name is Danielle Durbin. I am a comedian based out of Chicago. Um, and what else am I supposed to include here? Um, I that. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. Yep. Killing it. Hire me. That's my elevator pitch. Um, yeah. What What other info would you like from me? Uh, I'm a very good podcaster. Yes. That's mm. it. That's all we need. That's it. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> yep. Put this in your highlight reel, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. All right. Over to you, Holly. <laughs> Let me try to follow that. Um, <laughs> try to talk it more like it. Yeah. Um, so I'm Holly Cook. Um, I am a video editor and graphic designer in Washington, D.C. Um, I work for an environmental organization, and 
we put out um, like environmental documentaries and so that's my daytime thing and when I'm not working on the podcast with Danielle which she is uh, is a great podcaster <laughs> even if she didn't sound convincing <laughs> um, yeah um, I got a husband and a dog and a baby and uh, that, that's it yeah <laughs> I don't know why I sh- now that we mentioned husband <laughs> I should mention mine too I, I have a husband Holly, that you was... don't have a husband <laughs> I have this is my husband. You don't have a husband. What's name that name that movie? Bridesmaids. Oh. I know what what movie it's is Brad's that? Bridesmaids, bruh. Is Always it? and forever. Yes. It's the woman who plays um Kimmy Schmidt. In yeah. that scene. Anyways, sorry that was just funny. Um <laughs> Holly, I love how you said that because it sounded like you like picked them out of the store. You were like, and I got a husband and a dog and a daughter just like the other day because I was at the store. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've been all very intentional choices. And I will say it has worked out. I love that. Yeah. All right. Let's launch in. Let's begin with Danielle. Um. Do you remember when your relationship with food shifted? And can you just kind of take us through your journey and whatever you want to share about that? I I think I, like everybody in our generation, had like a mom that was on some kind of diet, like pretty consistently. Um but it was always kind of like a family thing in our house. But our whole family's like fat. <laughs> and I like our whole family is. And so it's like, um, except for my sister, uh, she is not. But like my mom, dad and I were just, we've always been a fat bunch. Um, and so it was always kind of like a family event for us to kind of go on Atkins or go on some kind of low carb something. Um, but it was never really super pushed on me. Um, it was always just kind of something we were doing and I never, like if I strayed from it, I was never made to feel bad about it, um, ever. It was just something that like our family kind of did for years. Um, I remember when I was probably like 20 I started to realize that like I it was like I had gained weight in like a way that didn't make sense for somebody of like my level of activity and um, based on what I ate like it just didn't really make sense um, for like a quote unquote normal body and I started going to the doctor and I was diagnosed with PCOS which is polycystic ovarian syndrome um, which is like a super big umbrella for <laughs> like an illness and it's there's so many symptoms to it um but mine is not being able to lose weight that's like my big issue um and I guess it was like around that time that I was forced to like really pay attention to what I ate because that was like a really big focus of the doctors um was like trying to figure out what I ate and I remember around that time being very, like, I had to be really diligent about, like, looking at what I ate. Um, 
but a lot of it kind of went back to like a diet that I was on when I was eight or like a, not a diet, but like whatever my family was eating when I was eight, which was like the Atkins diet probably. Um, and so it was kind of like a full circle thing for me. And since then in my twenties and now early thirties, I have been trying to lose weight, um, and haven't been like super successful, but I'm kind of realizing a lot of the things that I'm being told to do are, um, indicative of like eating disorders. And I, I'm actually learning that by listening to your podcast. Um, and so that's, I, that was like, I don't even know if that answered the question, but I think that's kind of my, uh, food journey, I guess, is like in the last 10 years trying to figure out, um, like how food works for me and like basically being told I shouldn't eat it and being like, no, I'd rather be fat and happy. Um, that's, <laughs> that's kind of my, uh, which I guess is kind of what doctors are telling me is my only option at this point. Um, it's like lose weight and hate your life or be fat and happy, which I don't think that has to be the two choices, but that's kind of what I'm being told. Um, and, uh, I guess, I guess that's kind of it for me. Um, I don't even know if that answered the question. Um, but that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, it totally did. Do you, can you talk more about like, so doctors, like what do they do? Are they just like suggesting, what do they say? Like go on a diet, eat healthier, or what is that conversation like? Yeah, um, a big a big thing that a lot of people with PCOS have is when you go into the doctor, the like the very first thing they start talking to you about is losing weight, even though some people with PCOS might just be wanting to have kids or they might be complaining about cysts or fatigue or whatever. The consistent thing is trying to get you to lose weight and then putting you on birth control. Um, and so that has been, that has been like a huge, a huge part of my journey as well. But um, you kind of go in and they'll see that I'm overweight and I say, yeah, I would like to lose weight. Um, this is not a joke. They will tell me to stop eating cheese, um, which I don't eat. Um, anyway, not because of a diet, just because I don't like it. Um, they'll, they'll tell me that I should cut out soda, um, which I also don't drink. Um, and then they'll ask me if I'm working out and I don't know if it's the same for like thin people, but for me, it is, it's a shock when I tell people that I work out, like doctors seem shocked. Um, and it's like, yeah, I work out five to six days a week, like <laughs> really regularly. Um, and I've always kind of wondered if that was something that they ask like thin people, if they like, or if they're like shocked by the answer. Um, but that's kind of what, that's the main three questions. And I've literally had a doctor at that point, no joke, multiple doctors be like, well, it seems like you're kind of doing everything that you can do. So I guess just keep eating well. Um, and then we'll see you in a couple of months. And it's like, well, that, <laughs> that, it seems negligent. Um, well, wait, Danielle, I have a question. What is their presumed correlation between um, losing weight and having polycystic ovarian syndrome? Is that right? Yeah. So that's like, that's just my main issue. So like if I go to the endocrinologist, which is like the person who is known to like specialize with dealing with PCOS, 
um, you would just like be telling them your symptoms. And my main symptom is weight loss. So I can't speak to what they would say for somebody or my main symptom is like weight gain um, and being unable to lose weight. Um, And so I can't speak to what the experience would be like for somebody else who might not have that issue. Um, I have a friend who has PCOS who's very thin and she can't gain weight, um, which is really interesting. And she, when she goes to the doctor, I would imagine her experience is much different than mine. Um, but that's like the connection because I'm, I'm going in with that problem. Um, right. I mean, that sounds like a, th- I mean, not to get all medical, but cause I'm not a doctor, but that sounds like a, th- a thyroid issue. I wonder if there's a link between the two and. Well, what foods might actually support like a healthy communication between like the thyroid and regulating a woman's hormones? Yeah, actually, um, my mom is also not a doctor, but (laughs) she would agree with you. So um, (laughs) um, and the only person that I've had say that was actually my chiropractor. And it was because his wife does a lot of like um, hormonal I don't want to say dieting, but like hormonal based wellness, I guess. And it's about like eating in tune with your cycle and um, like basically living in tune with your cycle to make like your periods less stressful for your body, I guess. Um, And he was actually the one who said that. And he was like, it sounds like they don't know what they're talking about. And you probably should go see somebody else. (laughs) Like, you're not wrong. (laughs) That's not wrong. well. The reason I'm I'm fascinated by this is because I, I'm hearing a lot from um, women who are going to the doctors that like the doctors will immediately just like discard a lot of symptoms that could mean a lot of different things based on a person's size and how and also like the fact that women aren't listened to really very often like. People are like, oh, you're just being this way because of this or this or, you know, that it's like nobody ever listens to us and we're like, no, my arm hurts here because I did this thing to my wrist because my hand landed this way. You know, Um, they'll be like, oh, you're crazy. Everything's fine. You're like, well, but I know it's not. And you're telling me just one solution. And a lot of it seems to be surrounding weight. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I, I have had doctors, like I said, just like be shocked that I work out or I've had, I had one not believe that I worked out. Um, I was like, well, that's a weird, that's a weird thing to say. Um, but they'll, there's basically like a textbook, like line of questioning and then it gets to. Well, have you tried keto um, or have you tried just intermittent fasting um, or they'll make me keep like a food diary God, and so fucked um, up. Like show that. No, it's it's really like they really don't. And I and obviously I'm going there to figure out how to lose weight. Like, right. But it's like I do not want to do it at the expense of like potentially creating an eating disorder. Like, I just want you to tell me if my metabolism shut off, you know what I mean? Uh, and so it's like, that is honestly what I found so interesting about listening to your, like your episodes is like, I had not connected those two dots and I was like, wow. So to be a fat person and to try to lose weight, you're literally being told to almost like develop an eating disorder to like do it. And it's like, that's, 
that's so crazy to me. It feels like there has to be a better alternative. Like, I don't know, green tea <laughs> or something. Like, there has to be something. Um, but, yeah. Well, I think there are. But then, you know, our modern medicine just discounts any kind of alternative wisdom. And, I mean, I could go back to, you know, a book I read uh, by this like anarchist feminist where she talks about a lot about like women's wisdom being taken from them, but I'm digressing like too far back, but just that like any alternative wisdom that you might want to apply to your life that is counter to what a doctor says just gets completely thrown out the door. I I also think like they are also conditioned by our society, you know, like unfortunately they're being lazy they're not doing the research they should be doing and they're just resorting to society that's always constantly like thin equals healthy like this equals health when it's not like it fully isn't it's like health and wellness and capitalism trying to get us to buy into something and develop severely unhealthy patterns like physically mentally and emotionally and Danielle I'm just so sorry like I'm so sorry that that is something you have to contend with when you're trying to go and get help like how that's so gross that's so gross to me that you go to the doctor for help and are told well if you just you know went on keto and didn't eat for 18 hours you'd be fine really well I I appreciate that. Um, and also, I'm just glad that I don't do it. Um, I I just, and that's kind of been the conversation that I've had. It's like, I like myself too much to do those things. So, um, like, I really like to cook. And I like making food for my husband and for friends. And I like making desserts. And I will not... Like, and that's kind of what I said, like, I'd rather just be fat and happy. So if you're telling me the alternative is that I would have to starve for 18 hours, the answer is no. Um, I, I will not be doing that. Um, also, it's interesting because for me, I have like an insulin resistance. And so my body like makes its own insulin, but it doesn't absorb it. Um, and so it's kind of a thing that they they very loosely refer to as type 3 diabetes because it's like you have the insulin but it doesn't take it in so you can't really regulate it with your diet as much as you could with type 2 diabetes and like you can't take insulin like type 1 because your body already has it and it feels like that kind of gets overlooked too and it's like for some people I'm sure like 18 hours of fasting it would be good for your blood sugar in some cases but it's like I've definitely been in a position where like I've gone a long period of time without eating and I'll like almost pass out but not even like I'm not hungry I I never let myself go that far I like eating a lot uh but it's like I I'll go like I don't know I'll have breakfast and then like run a bunch of errands and then it'll be two or three in the afternoon and it's like I'll get really like shaky and I'm like oh like it took me a long time to realize that was my blood sugar um, and like my insulin resistance. And it's like, I don't know that that's a really smart thing to say, because again, I'm sure it works really well for some people, but for others, it could probably be really detrimental. And it feels like it's thrown out really loosely. 
And it's like, I feel like if someone is actively trying to lose weight, safety should be a concern. Um, And metabolically speaking, eating all day long is the best way to tell your body to work for you. Like, it just is. Like, I have read about that from dietitians that literally specialize in this. Like, intermittent fasting is a fad, basically, to, and I can say this because guess what, guys? I did this for three and a half years. And if you asked me a year ago today, <laughs> I would have defended intermittent fasting. But like, it's socially acceptable, but it is truly semi-starvation. Like, I I think, again, if someone's listening to this, that intermittent fasts and feels amazing doing it, you know your body more than anyone. So do what you need to do. However, it is being thrown around, Danielle, like you said in such this like loose way and it's not safe and also I wanted to say this before I forget when I went to the doctor twice I remember they asked me about my diet and I said keto I said I I eat a ketogenic diet and both doctors different doctors said you know do you suffer from epilepsy because sometimes keto is used for children that are epileptic and I said no and um they were like, then you should not be eating a ketogenic diet. And so I just find it interesting that we both had such different experiences. That is really interesting um, because that that was definitely not my experience. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think it's really interesting that they would tell you to not. I, I mean, I wouldn't have done it um, mainly because I'm – simply too lazy to look at all of the keto recipes and everything that shows up has cheese in it. Um, so just beyond simply for those facts, I was like, I'm, I'm out. Uh, but I think that is very fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Danielle. Um, Hey, Holly. Hey, you want to jump back in? Holly? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I I mean, I was just listening because you know, I think, like, not to put words in your mouth, Danielle, or even to feel like I need to, like, clarify what you're saying, but I think, like, from what I understand about the way, like, your diet and your exercise, like, you are doing everything that doctors immediately tell you to do. Like, you know, I recently went to the doctor and I had some issues that I, I was concerned about. And the um, oh, one of them was my cholesterol. And the doctor just told me that I needed to exercise more and I needed to change my diet and like was very serious about it and was kind of condescending. and um, But never even asked me what I was eating or how much I exercised. Um and so I think that, like, to me, the key here is that is is showing the gap between, like, assessing what your situation is and and um, and actually giving you an answer and just falling back on this script that they have because. Like I said, as I understand the way that you eat and exercise, you're doing everything and probably even more than any doctor even expects of any of the patients that they tell this to of, you know, like eating, 
eating what they say is really healthy and exercising and um you have always been way more (laughs) healthy in the regard than me um but like I just think it I think it's just so ridiculous that um it's like there's just one line that they give and and they can't really look past that and I and I just sort of feel like they don't they don't think that they have to. They just say it and then they can like kick the can down the road and say, well, we'll reassess this in a couple months. And like the implications of that on disproportionately on women, disproportionately on women of color is really dangerous. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that it's really frustrating because it's not like, I'm sorry that that happens to you too, but like, I'm just so enraged that that happens like at all because it's just happening across the board. So, so Holly, um, talk to us a little bit about, um, when you noticed your relationship to food shifting and kind of your journey so far. Yeah. Um, I think I've always had a really high metabolism and, um, I've run long distance most of my life. Um, So I've always been pretty thin and then, you know, like I just don't run six miles a day anymore. (laughs) Um, and I don't have the metabolism of a 16 year old, but I think that it's sort of, it's interesting how, you know, we talked about this when you were on the podcast, Jillian, about, um, just the amount of praise that you got when you lost weight. Uh, when you're in high school. And I think that that's something that sort of has followed me around is people were just always telling me how thin I was, but like there, it was always praise, you know, like, and I, I never really, I have, I haven't really suffered from, you know, an eating disorder or, or really struggled in that way, but it, it sort of brainwashed me <laughs> into thinking like, well, I probably shouldn't change how I look. And, you know, uh, I don't know where I am with that, <laughs> but I think that it made me nervous. So I, when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I was nervous about gaining weight and, and how I would feel, just not knowing, right? Like, of course, you're going to gain weight and your body is going to change. And for many reasons, you are going to look and feel different to yourself than you ever have, probably. Um, and so I <laughs> I had a rough pregnancy, Um and I, w- I was very, very sick for probably the first five months. And eating was sort of like, I went into pregnancy thinking, oh, I'm going to eat nothing but fresh food. And this fetus is going to get just bombarded with nutrients all the time. <laughs> and, and, be- and you're like, in some way, like... <laughs> Yeah. Well, that didn't happen. Um, because I, I felt so sick all the time. Like I couldn't, there was just this whole, like most of the, the food pyramid that just, I, I couldn't even look at without feeling sick. 
And so food really became this thing of, yes, you want to eat a certain way because that's how you think you're supposed to eat to feed your baby or your fetus and, and what people are telling you sh you should eat. And I feel like being pregnant sort of really changed my relationship to food in a positive way in the sense that like you do what you can to the extent that you can and at you know while I was pregnant I didn't feel like I had a, a lot of options and so it was okay do I eat and essentially make myself sick or do I eat something that I know I can keep down because ultimately this kid has got to get something <laughs> and and so I gained I mean, I guess I don't, I'm not embarrassed of the number. I just don't want to talk about numbers because I don't, that, I don't think that that's important, but I gained probably like almost twice what the doctor said I should expect to gain. And I think part of that was like, I ended up being, um, having preeclampsia when, when Iris was, was born. Um, but I noticed a really big shift when I hit the mark of what the doctor said I should expect to gain. And that's when she started talking to me as if like, I was like going off the rails or something. And she was like, well, what are you eating? And like by then, I think I was maybe seven months in, um, by then things had kind of evened out feeling sick and I was able to eat, you know, fresher foods and, um, what we would normally think of as healthy. And I was trying to describe it, uh, you know, my diet as essentially what I was eating before. And she was like, well, what do you eat for breakfast? And I was like, well, I've been having oatmeal. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, oatmeal has a lot of carbs. That might be part of your problem. And and I was just like, well, okay. I mean, I know it has carbs, but I don't think that that... <laughs> so it was just like everything I said, everything I listed out, like she kept saying, okay, well, what else do you eat? And it was just like, well... And then she would find a problem with that. And it was just like, I felt like it kind of clicked for me where... It was just like, she doesn't want me to be heavier. And so she's just going to find a problem with everything I'm doing, even though I'm feeling better. I'm eating the kinds of foods that make me feel better. And my baby is getting nourished. And so like something else that she said that she's like, well, the thing is, every pound that you gain is another pound that you're going to have to lose. Oh my God. <laughs> and oh. who are these doctors? I, I just like, this is I infuriating. Think, I, sorry, go ahead. No, keep talking. <laughs> I'm, well, I think that was sort of, that was sort of like the big moment for me was, you know, I, I can feel how I feel about my body and the size that I think it should look and whatever. And it was sort of in that moment that I was thinking, I don't have to lose any pounds. Like I can have this baby and not lose a single pound. And that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you know, like I, my job is to do the best that I can to 
create <laughs> this baby and then take care of her. And I will take care of myself, but weight loss has nothing to do with that. And so like being able to have that thought in my mind really shaped, I think, how I felt about things moving forward. And, you know, I, I, this is a very long answer, but I guess like my, after I had Iris, I lost the weight pretty quickly because she had a lot of food intolerances. And so I was breastfeeding and for like seven months, I cut out dairy, wheat, and soy at the same time. And I don't know if anyone has tried to do that, but like that doesn't leave a ton. (laughs) And so like I lost a lot of weight and I was breastfeeding and that can burn a lot of calories too. And people were just like, wow, you're looking amazing. And it's like, well, I'm starving all the time and I'm just a milk bank and I'm exhausted. And it was, (laughs) and it just felt like, you know what? maybe compliment something else other than like, I don't know. It just, it all just like kind of felt like I was looking behind the curtain a little bit as far as all of the insecurities I've had and, and realizing that like, it's just all bullshit. (laughs) Like it's all just a state of mind. And I mean, obviously that's reductive and, and anecdotal, but I, for me, I feel like I've had a lot healthier perspective on my place and my body in this like whole machine of weight loss and societal pressure and rant. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, it sounds like your doctor is answers to everything is l- lose weight. Like we've, we've turned like weight and body size and BMI into the solve for every potential issue. And like it completely ignores the bo- the experience of the body, like the actual person who is experiencing their bodies. And it's pretty staggering to me that we don't consider other other things could be going on. I, I was listening to um, Jamila, what is her last name? Jamil. Uh, she has a podcast and she was talking about, there was an episode where she was speaking to um, a, a doctor um, and she was just, they were talking a lot about the medical institution and how um, the doctor that she was speaking to had had a friend who came in with a, a stomach issue and the doctor kept just being like, you just need to lose weight, you just need to lose weight. And then they discovered that she actually had cancer. She had stomach cancer and luckily had gone to a different doctor and was finally diagnosed and taken care of and is now well and okay. But like the initial doctor just completely disregarded her physical symptoms as you just eat too much. That, um, that doctor, his name is Dr. Joshua Woolrich and he was on, um, Jamila Jamel's, yeah, her podcast, I Weigh. But he also has a, yeah, he also yeah. has a, a book. I really want to get it. It's called Food Isn't Medicine. And um, that podcast episode is incredible. It's so informative. And I also follow him on Instagram um, and can't wait to read the book. But he went through quite the journey because he was one of those doctors that would that would say that. 
he was very much used to like fat shame and you know he went through his own body stuff but has definitely gone through this journey pretty transparently and um wrote this incredible book so sorry about the sidebar but highly recommend uh listening to the podcast uh i weigh that episode and then following him on instagram there's a lot of great information um but yeah jess i I agree. I think it's so bizarre. Like, what do, like, what can we cut out of your diet because you've gained this amount of weight? Or like, (laughs) how is it not like? How are you feeling emotionally? Do you have the support you need at home? How you know what I mean? Like, are you getting enough sleep? Like, how is it? How is that not the first thing? Or just like keep eating. Your body knows what to do. Like it's fine. You're taking care of your baby. Your body knows what to fucking do. Like this idea that we don't have autonomy over what's happening to our bodies and we're just supposed to listen to these outside sources. Like when I – so when I dropped really low because I do suffer from anorexia, the doctor that I went to just completely disregarded. I wasn't getting my period. Um, I was like clearly not okay. I mean I had bones just like protruding from my body. And he just was like, oh, it's fine, according to the, the BMI scale. The BMI is such bullshit, y'all. And I was just like, I, well, I'm not bleeding anymore, and that's a problem. But it was a dietician who got me back on track. You know, it was like listening to somatic therapists and really challenging, like, my ideas around what was going on in my body. And I'm not discounting, like, um, medical wisdom at all. I'm not discounting science. Like, I, I think that there's a place for that. But I, I, I'm finding more and more, in particular when I talk to women, that, like, we are just completely disregarded in our experience and there has to be a way for us to integrate a little bit more and for doctors to pay a little bit closer attention to what's happening with their patients. And PSA, if a doctor is recommending weight loss because solely because of your BMI, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. There are many studies that BMI is complete and other utter bullshit. So that is not an accurate measurement of health um and if that's information you're getting from your doctor you should not listen and do your own research like through a dietitian and someone that actually knows what they're talking about i really agree with um what you just said jess about like the the female experience and and dealing with like health stuff and i think it's really funny that um on jamila jamil's podcast she talked about that person Um, who was told she had cancer because that was a super similar experience that I had when I first started diving into like PCOS and having it. They put you on um, metformin. That's like the first thing they try and it's supposed to help regulate your blood sugar. But this particular doctor was very convinced it would help me lose weight. And uh, I started to have severe stomach cramps. I was throwing up in the morning and I, I was in my last semester of college and I was getting super violently ill and the doctor was like, no, like it's not that. Also, um, my family has a history of stomach cancer. So I was like, I could, I could potentially like <laughs> have something to be concerned about at this point. Um, and she was like, no, she goes like, sometimes that happens and it's like 
something that happens to the body, we should up the dosage. And I was like, okay. Well, I was a dumbass. I was 23 and I, at the time, was like, yeah, this will help me lose weight. And that's the most important. And so I, like, took the upped dosage and, like, I stopped being able to... And I... I went to school for comedy. Like that's it's a it's it's an intense situation. You show up and you're on. You're on all the time. It's a commitment. And so I like could not be as present as I needed to be in my classes. And I went back and I was like, I don't want to take this anymore. Like I do not want to take this. And I guess like it's not a safe medicine to just stop taking. So you kind of have to wean yourself off of it. And she, honest to God, suggested to me that my pain could not be from the medicine. It was because my tights were too tight um, and that I might have stomach cancer because she asked if I had a history of it. And I was like, I do um, in my family. And she goes, yeah, you probably have stomach cancer. So the fact that it was like so like I would I would it's more important that you lose weight on this medication um, and your tights are too tight for the love of, for crying in the soup. They have to go over my stomach. They can't be that tight. Like, it's just unbelievable. Um, and, like, I'm walking around like a freaking sausage casing. Like, it, they're not that tight. And <laughs> that was the solution over just being like, hey, maybe the medication didn't work. Like, maybe that didn't work. Also, I love that you were told to not eat oats, Holly, because once you had high cholesterol, I bet you they were like, hey, have you heard of oatmeal? Um, so love that. Love that it was too many carbs for a pregnant girl, but they definitely recommended it to you once you had high cholesterol. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like, I mean, it's not as serious as what you were just describing, but like when I was pregnant, my last, I mean, basically my entire third trimester, literally every time I would stand up or take a step, I would start contracting. And so it made it really hard to move around. And so like, I wasn't exercising. I was like, I mean, I was still commuting to work and it's my home is an hour away from work on the Metro. And, um, you know, like there was a lot of walking involved. And so like, it was just, there was a lot of contracting and I was terrified that I was going to have this baby at any moment, like my entire third trimester. And so I was going to the doctor and I kept like, I kept saying like, something isn't right. I don't know what's going on. And like, you know, there's, there's a line between like intuition or like, you know, like knowing your body and also just being wrong. Cause I will say I'm wrong a lot. (laughs) Um, but like, that was a huge deal and also like very traumatic on my body, right? Like it felt, it just like, you know, well, you don't, but it, it it's an incredible experience to have your growing abdomen completely seize up. And like, what do we know about a contraction other than that's what comes before you have your baby? And like, also your baby is in danger if it comes too soon and so like that's the information i'm going to the doctor with in terms of like please help me i don't know what's going on and she'd be like well i just you know i don't see anything wrong uh but but by the way what have you been eating because i see that your weight is going up still so it was like it was sort of like 
I have a much bigger issue here than what you think I should be eating. And like, it just, it felt like I, I just kept dreading going to my appointments and like, I'm sorry I gave all that backstory about my contractions, but like, goddamn. I mean, how, what does a person have to come to you with, like as a physician, for you to be distracted away from someone's weight or size? And like, you know, I, I absolutely understand that like, in the course of my life, I don't know what it's like to be discriminated against because of my weight in the doctor's office. But like, this little glimpse was just really harrowing and especially because like it it ended up progressing you know like I I'm not a doctor either so like I don't know how connected all of these things are but like I ended up being preeclamptic and it ended up you know like when I had my baby I was terrified like they they took her away and I had to like have like urgent support and and like I can't help but think that those things were everything was connected and like I feel very lucky that that I got the um the support and the care that I needed but a lot of people don't and like that is on them right like we are going to the doctors with with what we know to be issues or at least concerns very legitimate concerns and being turned away and like pregnant people are are losing their lives. I mean that's yeah, that's why Christy Turlingston started that organization Every Woman Counts. It's all about um trying to keep women from dying in childbirth because it happens so often. Holly, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so sorry that it was such like it sounds just traumatic and so difficult and I'm so thankful that that you are okay and that that your baby girl is okay and she's more than okay she's perfect yeah we're doing well <laughs> yeah I mean it, it all worked out it's just like and I know I sound I'm probably sound very impassioned but you know I am because like we need to be because like this is ridiculous Okay, so for the wrap-up, Danielle and Holly, what is your favorite thing to eat right now? Danielle, you go first. Okay, well, obviously it's winter, um, or it's becoming winter, um, and a favorite staple of mine is chicken and dumplings. Um, I... I would eat it year round, but Doug is a purist and will only eat like hot things when it's cold outside. Like, or like hot, like soups, stews, whatever. Um, so uh, <laughs> now that it's getting colder, I love chicken and dumplings. And also, um, I am a bitch for a good cookie. And uh, I like crumble cookies, but they have a lot of nerve <laughs> for charging that much money for a cookie. Um and so I found a copycat recipe for their cookies and cream cookies and um, their cookies and cream milkshake cookies, I should say. Um, and they're to die for. So I make those. I've made them twice um, and they're delicious and huge. And 
I had to stop myself from making them because I will eat like a whole cookie and they're honest to God, the size of my head. And I have a very big head. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are, I would say those are my, those are my two, uh, favorite things to eat right now. Holly. Um, my favorite thing always are peanut butter cups. Um, but going with this fall theme is all year I look forward. This is going to sound like a, a lie because of the story I told earlier, but I really like my fall oatmeal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Oh my God. You made that for me last time I was there. It's so good. Okay. So it's so good. You, you have your oatmeal and then you put pumpkin puree and then cinnamon, pumpkin pie spice, nutmeg, and then you make it. And then you put, um, you can put craisins on top. I've been putting um, Trader Joe's like honey roasted slivered almonds. And then sometimes I also add apple to it. And it's just like fall extravaganza in your bowl. Yeah. What is your guys' favorite thing to eat right now? Yeah. Oh my God. I am like so obsessed right now with um, these Susie's corn cracker things. They're these like little corn thins, but then I like put butter and honey in between two of them. It is so good. Like I can't, (laughs) like I don't understand like the, the perfection that is like corn, butter, and honey to me is everything. Like I said to Jillian, my birthday's coming up and I was like, I just want a corn cake. Like I want it. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just everything to me. No, I, that sounds like crunchy little oh, cornbread so bites. Good. I am all about mm. that. <laughs> Jill? Uh, lately, I've been... Um, making brown rice pasta with um, extra virgin olive oil and then just a shit ton of like shaved parm like fresh parm on top of it and it is it's it's so good it's it satisfies every part of me um and keeps me nice and full like I feel like very satisfied after I eat that so yeah the brown rice pasta sounds really interesting. I have gotten into bonza pasta, the like garbanzo bean pasta. Oh, I haven't tried that mm. one. Yeah. And it is the only garbanzo bean pasta or like bean, like lentil or black bean or whatever pasta that I've had that even comes close to regular pasta. And it is so filling. And there's something very satisfying about eating pasta and feeling full like yeah, yeah. And, and not in like a sluggish way but like yeah feeling actually full and it's yeah big fan totally so good all right ladies thank you so 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 much for making time out of your very busy schedules to chat with us um i love you both i'm so thankful that we all got to hop on a call and just talk Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me ramble a bit. I didn't really know where this was going to lead, but thanks for letting me chat about my experience. Of course, that is the beauty of podcasts. Um, So yeah, you guys, check them out. Sally on the Side podcast. 
I listen to it on Pocket Casts, but you guys, can you just find it on any platform? I think so, right? Yeah, at the very least, all the most popular ones. I didn't know we were on Pocket Cast, but I'm super <laughs> glad we are. And thanks for sponsoring us, Pocket Cast. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> all right. We will talk to you soon. Thank you again. Thanks, ladies. All right. What was one thing? I feel like I took a lot away from that episode. Jesus Christ. Like, can we all get on the same page with doctors? What's happening? Um, that was that's rough. I feel like I've heard so many of those stories, but it's different when you hear from people you know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's really what I one of the things that's been coming that I've been downloading lately. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's one of the things that I've been really noting in um, the different conversations that we're having and also just a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of different conversations and things I've been listening to and reading is um, the disconnect between what's happening in our, in the room with our doctors in relationship to our symptoms and like what's actually happening in our bodies because we're just not looking at it like an entire system. I mean, you know, Again, I am not a doctor. I am not diagnosing. But if I were Danielle's doctor, I would be a lot more curious to get to the heart of the correlation between like the thyroid and this um, being able to make insulin, but the body's not absorbing it and what's going on with the polycystic ovarian syndrome, I think is what she said it was called. Um, What is what's the link between those three things? That's why I loved that show House. I don't know if anybody remembers that show House, but he was just this brilliant doctor that was really like trying to investigate the patient and getting to the heart of what was really going on. And I don't, I don't feel like we do that. And in particular, again, with women, like women are are not listened to when they go to the doctor on on a mass scale. I mean, I think that luckily we live in New York and there are some of the best doctors here who really do attend to the patients um, in a lot of different instances, especially depending on right socioeconomic status, which is a whole other area to, to talk about at some point. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I was discounted by my doctor and I was sick. <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me that. You were like, well, I went to the doctor and he said everything looked good. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? I was like, what doctor did you go to? Can I have his number? And then I proceeded to lose another, like, seven pounds. Anyways, guys, wins and struggles. What's a win this week? I'm going to talk about our wins because laugh is hard. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, like, eating. Oh, I've been eating, like, all the bread still. Like, I'm not monitoring it at all, you know? I'm just like, ooh, I want some more of that yummy bread with butter and honey, or I want to have that. Like, I've just been really good about... I, not even that I've been good about it. It just it just hasn't really been crossing my mind that there's anything wrong yeah, with it. that's amazing. I've just kind of been like, whatever, I'm hungry. Yeah. When I'm not hungry, I'll stop eating. Yeah. Like, just really knowing now that I'm not gonna... That I can listen to what's going on with my body and trust it, so... That, that's feeling really pretty nice. Uh, I would have to say a struggle. It's been a challenging week. Um, our last week was pretty challenging. I got some relief earlier today, some news that was gave me a lot of relief. 
But um, I guess like a challenge is I feel like I really need to work on um, like monitoring where my anxiety goes, like where I store it. Um, And I know I had mentioned like I was meditating and that was helping me a lot and I kind of slipped and I haven't been meditating, which I think would help. But um, I just haven't really been – it's been hard for me to monitor um, there's like a little bit of health stuff that I'm waiting to hear about and heard some good news, but I'm still waiting to hear about some other stuff. Um, and like on a day to day basis, it's weird to like compartmentalize, you know, and like, I don't know, it's just bizarre. There were like certain nights that I would be so tired and like ready to go to sleep and it would just kind of flood me all at once. Um, and so I guess, yeah, I don't know that it, I don't know that it's like food related or um, anything like that, but I guess you could relate it to my healing because I I am supposed to be meditating every day. So yeah, that's been something that I would like to investigate more um, and just be a little bit more conscious of so that I can sleep. (laughs) Yes, it's so important. I remember telling my PCP like what I do and blah, 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 and she was like, how many hours of sleep? And I was like, maybe like six to seven. She was like, cool. She was like, I'm going to need you getting like 9 to 10. And I was like, what? And she was like, with your activity level, yes. And I was like, wow, IDK. Yeah, I know. Um, But yeah, shout out to the awesome doctors. I have a great PCP. I love her, Julia. She, I remember telling her I did like blood work and like I was kind of curious because sometimes when I eat, certain gluten I get like this weird rash but I really don't want to give up gluten um and you have to go to like an allergist to do this and they have to do like a they stick something down your throat and get like a sample from your stomach to see if you're like you know celiac and then wheat whatever all the stuff um but she ran like one teeny blood test that like can kind of show if maybe you are um and, she, you know, she was like, do you even want to know? Because she was so respectful. She was like, you know, we talked about the podcast and stuff. And she was like, I know you're healing your disordered eating, so I don't want you to feel, you know, restricted if you do have this allergy. I don't know. It was just, like, really nice. Like, she was so supportive and understanding to the point that she was like, maybe we just don't deal with this right now so you can focus on healing. Um, so... And that's an example of a great doctor. And I think I just want to make sure that I reiterate, look, there are plenty of great doctors out there. And, um, you know, we both happen to live in a city where there are some of the best of the best. And um, so in no way are we sort of trying to say that all medical doctors are horrible people. It's just that we do have some areas to integrate, I think. When it comes to listening and 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 getting the whole body involved well thank you guys for listening we love y'all we appreciate you again follow us and on instagram not that kinda k-i-n-d-a girl podcast dm us let us know your thoughts your dreams if you want to be on the podcast if you know someone if you want to hear about something else um and you can find us on spotify google podcasts apple podcasts pocket casts anywhere you listen um yeah we really appreciate you and we will uh we'll talk well we won't really talk to you we'll just be talking and hopefully you'll be listening soon bye (laughs) bye